Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, good good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tide Chasers, very second episode since we've already listened to our intro. You guys are coming on now and listen to our very second episode. We've got a very important guest, very renowned in the fishing community. Everyone probably knows him. You'll, probably, you'll hear him in just a few moments. But before that, I'd like to let you guys know where you can find us on the podcast. We'll be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Alexa, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castro, CastBox, and Podchasers. Now, if you're looking for us on Instagram, we're going to be on Tide underscore chasers definitely once again tide underscore chasers that's instagram if you're looking for us on facebook we are on facebook at tide chasers podcast we will be coming up with a youtube channel pretty soon so all you gotta do is search in the box look for us on youtube well at this time once again my name is Kwa. i'll be your host and also we have my co-host as always mr mr dan mancari go ahead chime in buddy welcome everybody thank you for tuning in super excited for our guest today uh big time fisherman we we've we fished with him multiple times for different species solid guy we're really happy to bring him on board and uh have him as our first guest very excited have a lot to talk about and uh let's let's jump into it man all right once again ladies and gentlemen let this time i'd like you guys to meet mr saltheart fishing himself mr lee wakefield and his brothers will be on future podcasts then we'll, we'll bring them all on but as of right now we got we have mr lee wakefield on board how you doing buddy Hey guys, how's it going? Not Welcome, bad, not bad. Welcome, man. How's everything going over there in the fishing community in the life? Uh, can't complain. Just getting through some winter doldrums and looking forward to spring right now. Join the club. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> all of us, man. It just sounds like all been, of us. I haven't been fishing since November. Uh, me, and, me and Lee's gotten out for trout. We got, we got out for trout for a little bit. Slacking, slacking. All right, so let's just kick this thing off real quick. All right, where did you get? Where did this all start, Lee? You tell us. 
Were you an infant in your mom's belly with a fishing rod? What were you doing? You tell us where this all obsession started. Well, I'd have to um, give credit to my dad for that. Um, we fished from as long as I can remember, probably a couple of years old. Um, a couple of my first memories were um, walking the beaches, Sandy Hook. I remember him walking out to the sandbar to cast. Just like I can faintly remember it, but next thing I remember is him walking back the beach with a striper, thirty some inches long. And that I think I was hooked since since that time. We also used to do some boat fishing in the rips in the uh, Delaware Bay down at Cape May, and a couple times a year we would get out and catch some pretty big stripers. And I think that's where it all began. What age were you about, Lee? Um, the beach trips, I was probably five, six years old, like, like where I can barely remember what happened. I just remember like a few scenes that like are etched in my mind. Pretty cool though. But, and then the boat trips anywhere from, you know, that age, maybe a little bit older because of, you know, what would be on a boat if I was quite that young up until, you know, my mid teens and and late teens. And then here we are. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, man, you got you got trial by fire, man. Running the running the beach on a five or six year old. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I don't remember exactly. I just remember it was I was pretty young, like young enough to barely remember what was going on. Like thinking back now, I remember a little bit better what's going on now that I know the scope of things. But it was it was quite a quite a while ago. Gotcha. So I got to ask you, what's it like being part of a fishing family? Does it ever get competitive? You and your brothers all fish together. I've never seen any competitiveness. I've never seen any jealousy. You guys seem to celebrate one another, you know, take joy in each other's success. But is there any jealousy involved in there at all? Um, Honestly, I feel like you you know it's pretty well. Um, There is absolutely none. Um, There's been times where, you know, uh, I'll be we're happy to see one of my brothers, Joel or Seth, to hook up to a fish, especially, you know, nice fish or something. And we've been on trips where like two of us will be on fish and the other one, you know, still hasn't landed one. I'm like, all right, well take my lure. This is what I'm, this is what's working for me. Try this or, you know, and vice versa. They'll do the same thing for me. So it's, I can say there's no, no jealousy whatsoever. We're, we're all very happy for each other's success and individual success on each trip. And I'd, honestly say that you know i seeing their success makes me just as happy as if i was laying fish myself that's how i am with my friends and my my little brother if i see them do well it it, it makes me happy too so I, sh- I share in that success i'm not a jealous person so i i agree with that now is there something that you do better than your brothers or like vice versa like let's say seth for example is really great at this and joel's really great at this what is your what is your go-to like like you know I got to get my, my rod bent. What, what do you go to? Um, I don't, I could tell you probably what they do better than what I would do better. Um, I know that like, it's, it's kind of funny because like different species, like, and it, it'll change up throughout the season, but like Seth will just be on fire with like one, one type of fish. And then all of a sudden, like Joel will be on fire, like he's got it figured out. And we're all just like, we're all doing the same thing. And, you know, why, why is he on fish? And we're, we're catching one or two to his five or six, but I don't know. I feel like, like my go-to 
is like the lightweight bucktail. Like that's something that like I have tremendous amount of confidence in. And not that they don't use them, like they use bucktails a lot too. Well, like usually Joel will be using, you know, three or four different types of lures and I'll just stick with that bucktail because I know that that's, I, f- I feel like that the confidence in that is, is what's going to get me a fish. Gotcha. Totally understand. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I myself got to say, I'm a little jealous of Seth. He's, he's been caught hopping <laughs> on some unicorns, man. And I'm, I don't know. Me, Seth is like, he's that guy that just picks up like just the coolest, nicest looking fish, man. Love him to death, man. I love Seth to death. I like his personality. I've, I haven't fished with him yet. I fished with you and I fished with Seth. I mean, I fished with Joel, but I haven't fished with Seth yet. I, I, I got to get him on the boat this year. Yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. No time. Yeah, he's, I feel like, you know, reiterate the point of fishing with them is um, something I feel like is a blessing because I've, there's never an outing that I'll be doing it alone or, you know, there's, there's always somebody there to like kind of push you along or, you know, you're not sure if you're going to make that trip at night you know you leave at 10 o'clock or you know the one of them are always if it's not one then the other one can make it and i've always got a fishing partner so it's i feel like it's it's a, it's a pretty awesome thing to have them yeah totally just like your um you know just since we're mentioning it real quick you know just like your um art little article that you wrote on on the water magazine right about right. you know the privileges of fishing with your siblings you know we're going to touch right. bases on that a little bit later but like you said if you guys get a chance or an opportunity check out february's edition of on the water magazines Lee wrote a little article in there, you know, the importance of why having his family there fish and the benefits of why you can cover a lot of water and stuff like that when you have more multiple family members fishing with you. And, you know, kind of, he kind of explains in depth how it works. So if you guys want to check that article out, make sure you guys hop on On the Water Magazine and check it out. It's a really good article. I read through it a couple of times and I loved it. I even got it autographed. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. So, so Lee, what is your favorite fishing season to ramp up for? Whether it be like fluke, stripers, freshwater trout, what what season do you get just so excited for? Um, I would have to say it's stripers. Uh, just kind of what my most successful fish is, and in my love since I was young. You know, that was just always if you caught a striper, that was something special. You know, growing up, I feel like. I fish a lot more now than I ever did, but you know, growing up was like, you catch, you catch fluke, you catch whatever else. And then when you got a striper, that was, that was something special. And I feel like, like now, like season just opened March 1st, a couple of days ago. And not that to say that, you know, the bites on fire or anything, but like, this is, I've been looking for forward to spring, spring bass for a good bit now. Go time, right? <laughs> yeah. So is the water there a, temps to, sorry, I just need the water temps to warm up just slightly and it's go time. Do you have a magical number? Everyone says there's a magical number for them. Do you have a magical number? Uh, I would say like 50, 52, but I mean, it's not to say that you can't catch below that. You know what I mean? I think you, you'll start getting, you can start getting fish now and the, and the water temps aren't that right now either. So, yeah, I remember years ago for, what when uh when the um the power plant up in the Oyster Creek was still open, first day of March, March first, we were always out there and we we'd catch a good half dozen easily. You know what? Since they closed it down, there's no warm water discharge, 
So now the fish are just spread out. You know, it's just harder right. to find them. I mean, not saying you can't find them. They're in deeper holes to stay warm. You just got to find those holes and work them a little, you know, work your, you know, paddle tails and stuff a lot slower. Literally crawl them on the floor because water's cold. They're not going to want to go after anything right now. Yeah, I always say like in the beginning of the season, and it kind of translates through a lot of species, freshwater and whatever else. Like the water is the cold, coldest right now. So try and think about where the warmest water and the body of water you're fishing. It's a good chance that's where the fish are going to be. Cool. Now, are you are you excited to chase them, you know, on the rivers, on the spawning grounds? Or are you more excited to hit the side banks and the, and the beachfront to, to try and find them out there? Um, I haven't done a ton of in the rivers. Um, I feel like I, I could enjoy it as much. Um, there's good chance you're using blood worms and you can get them on some plugs, but it's, it's a lot more difficult. Um, so I would say use throwing plugs in the, in the bays, side banks, and, and probably a couple months, it'll be the ocean front. Cool. Uh, as of right now, what like, what is your opinion on the state of the striper bass fishery? Like, how do you feel? Do you feel it's declining? Do you feel it's going up? How do you feel about the new regs that they came out that it's going to be one fish between 28 and 35? Do you feel that's going to help out? Or do you think it's actually going to more decline the, the class of fish that we're getting between 28 and 35? Um. Honestly, there's probably a, a lot more people that are know the science behind it all, but my my like take from what I know, which is not you know a ton, but I've I'm super happy that if you catch a monster, you know, female bass now that you can't keep it legally. To me, that's to me that's a win. I mean, some you some have an argument for slot, some have an argument against the slot, and I can see both sides, but like. I think it's a great thing that if you catch a huge fish, you know, especially one that's going to carry a lot of eggs there, you can't legally kill that fish. So every trophy fish that's caught now is, is going to be released. I think that's pretty awesome. But as far as like the amount of fish around, I mean, I talked to guys that have done this a lot more and a lot longer than I have. And they're saying, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there's a lot more fish around than there is right now. And I, you know, I believe them. I, I have seen that to some extent. I also feel like there's a lot of fish offshore. I feel like there's not as many reasons for those fish to travel and migrate close to land as there used to be, as far as the, the beach replenishment, you know, there's not places for them to stop. They usually follow the bait and maybe the bait baits not quite in, for the same reasons, you know, up along the beaches and a lot of the jetties are getting poured over with sand. So there's not, not a lot of places to hold the fish to where they, where they used to be. And I think, you know, if the stocks could easily be declining, I also think that there's, there's a lot of fish offshore that don't find any reason to, to come in along the beaches. Yeah, that, that, uh, that, Beach erosion. I, I saw a lot of it this winter, this fall and winter. We're going to be inundated with uh, that beach replenishment all over again. It's just like a never-ending vicious cycle. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. Like inshore, inshore structure is non-existent in most of our waters that we fish. You know, I saw a couple of pictures like with a huge drop-offs on the beach, 
And then you would just see like a cut, a cut, you know, bowl jetties are showing up again. I'm just like, man, I haven't seen structure like that in a good while. Like yeah. this could be good, good spring if it's, but I don't know how soon they're going to get on the replenishment or whatever. I'm sure they'll, it's like a never ending cycle. They're going to be back on it soon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll I've see. noticed, I've noticed that this year, like I've taken my boat out up North and I'm, I mean, a lot of guys that are complaining that the fishery is declining and stuff are a lot of them are surf casters. You know what I mean? Like the beaches have been eroded. I mean, the, the fish, the, the, the fish just don't come close enough for surf casters anymore. Years ago, sure. 2015, 2016, definitely good runs, good fall beach runs. You know, the bunker came in, surf casters had an opportunity. I took my boat out quite a few times this year and this fish further offshore. You're right. You know, they are offshore. They're right on a three mile line. You know, you get out there at the right time. There's plenty of fish. You just got to find them. And then I have, you know, I've had tuna guys call me and they're like 20, 15, 20 miles offshore. They're miles of fish, like literally miles of bass just on the surface feeding and migrating, you know, and they're just minding their business on that way. You know, they're just not, they didn't come in past the three mile line for us to find them. There's plenty of fish out there. Um, I mean, I'm aware probably there is a huge decline. But I'm not. I don't think it's that bad that they they think it is. But I mean, with the twenty eight thirty five, so I think it's perfect. It's a perfect size because we're releasing a lot of big breeders. But of course, you know, then that means that everyone's going to harvest twenty eight to twenty nine to thirty, and those those are future females that are going to be loading up on eggs too. So it's kind of like it's like a double edged sword. We release the big breeders that can release a lot more eggs, but then we're there we're people are harvesting the smaller breeders, which has an opportunity to breed multiple years. Right. So and it's, it's a tough situation for all of us, but I mean, I think it's a good size. Like a lot, a lot this year I've seen a lot of boats were releasing a lot of big fish. I didn't see any floaters, you know what I mean? So that's, that's definitely a good thing. And, you know, it's, it's been all right. I think it's going to help us out a lot. You know, another, another few years of this. And I think the numbers will be, it will, it will slowly creep its way back up for us. Yeah, I definitely, definitely think it's heading in the right direction. You know, something had to be done for a while. Nothing was done. And I feel like this is definitely heading in the right direction. I feel like there's the more, the most important thing is just to make people aware with, you know, not just, you know, in a, in a good way, be aware of the situation, be aware that like, you don't need to kill every fish you catch. You don't, you know, just, someone posts a picture online you don't need to just be telling them that you should have released that you know why did you kill a fish just make them aware of the situation you know mm -hmm. the state of the fishery and you know do it in a nice way to where they're not just you know yapping back at you like in you know in a respectful way where they might actually understand what you're saying and might make a difference to what they do next trip out yeah, the uh, the difference is like between fishermen like myself, you and Dan, you know, we practice conservation and awareness. You know, we try our best to let everyone know, you know, that, you know, this is our fishery. We're just trying to preserve for, you know, future kids like Dan's kids. When they grow up, we want bass in the back for them to catch, you know, like every, all of us, you know, we just want to preserve as much as possible. And, you know, and the way you say it too, you know, we're going to educate them. We're not just going to jump on them and say, Hey, you got to release that. Just educate them. Why are we releasing them? Why you, they should release them. I mean, it's everyone legal is right to keep a fish. You know, we, we're, we're not going to, we're not the fish police and just call out everybody, but you know, we just need to educate a lot of these fishermen 
and let them know why that we feel that, you know, you don't have to harvest every single fish you catch. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some more sustainable options out there anyway. I mean, most people you talk to, unless they live in Maryland where rockfish and striped bass are one and the same and they eat the, they eat them, eat them up as long as they can. I, I find that there are better tasting and better sustainable options that I've tried to talk people into harvest, uh, harvesting other options, you know, you know, things like snakeheads, for example, very mild fish, you know, if you can find them in clean water, great, great tasting fish, and you can keep as many of them as you want. Now I don't do that. I, I release some, however, you know, I do keep some for my family. If, if I catch them in clean waters, you know, there's always other options out there to keep our, our fisheries that are not healthy, you know, keep them moving along while, while we still want to eat fish with great fresh fish is, is king. You know, there's always another option out there. And, and sometimes those other options are easier to catch anyway. You know, white perch, for example, can load up on them. They're great to take They're great tasting fish. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of other sustainable options out there that we can use to kind of take some pressure off the striped bass fishery because, you know, they're getting at every angle, you know, they're getting it on shore, on the boats, back bays in the rivers, and uh, they're getting it while they spawn, you know, it's just, you know, the pressure on them is immense. They're this wonderful trophy game fit or, well, we'd love them for them to be a game fish, but they're this wonderful fish that we have to target. I would love for my son to be able to run the beach with me like you did with your dad, Lee, and, you know, try and catch these fish. Although I don't know how long I can do the whole run in the beach thing. That's why I got my kayak, but you know how that goes. So. I'm sure I wasn't running too, too hard at five, six years old either, but I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like once, once I um started eating like fresh mahi or fresh tuna or just, you know, even fresh fluke, you know, I, I feel like, all right, well, I don't, I don't need to eat striper anymore. And I mean, like there's, there's a good, there's a couple of good reasons why it's, I'm totally happy with just releasing every single fish I catch. And I honestly, I don't have an issue with someone keeping their limit, you know, yeah. one fish, you know, I don't, I don't think you're doing something wrong, but just moderation, you know, moderation is key. Like if you're doing it every single day or, you know, you're, you're, you're on a boat with four people and you're doing it every single day, like that. And that I'm not talking about the charter cats, that's, you know, right. they're, they're doing their thing and I totally respect that. But I mean, like something's got to give, you know, you go, if you go out killing fish every single day, like somewhere, something's got to give if, and that multiplied by however many people are doing it just moderation you know one here and there don't bring it home stick it in the freezer and who knows when you get it out you know just go out and catch another one when you're ready to eat another one that's another thing like everybody like you you see on the the message boards on facebook all the groups everybody attacks the commercial guys they're making a living they're feeding a family mm-hmm. you know it we all have a piece of, of this pie you know the recreational fishermen the commercial guys everybody has a has a, has a stake in this game. Everybody is responsible. You know, I, I don't think there's there. I don't agree that the commercial fishermen should take the the brunt of the blame. I, I see that all the time and it drives me nuts. Those are guys just trying to feed their families, man. That those guys just trying to do the right thing and feed their families. They have regulations. They have rules that they got to abide by as well. You know, we, we, we would do it. We would go a long way in trying to, to be a little bit kinder to those guys. I mean, yeah, you know, we're all trying to feed our families. That's the, that's their that's their operation. That's that's how they choose to do it. More power to them. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel too. I mean, they. I feel like it's all about management. You know, what I mean, the the overall management of the fishery. Like, I totally respect them. They're doing, and it's a lot of those guys will get someone that you know maybe fishes once a year, 
and that's their only chance to, you know, keep a bass. And, you know, why wouldn't you? You know, I was in that situation before. So I don't I don't have any issues with that. Like they're doing and they're doing what they love for every single day. So that's pretty cool too. Yeah, man. I I think the last bass I kept was 2012. And that was because it was foul hooked. You know, I, there was nothing I could do. It was bleeding out and, you know, I, I kept it. So that's probably, yeah, nine years. I haven't kept a bass in nine years. Now I don't target them as much as you guys do, but um, I, and part of that is because I, I, I think I'm trying to do my part by, you know, giving them a break. I have plenty of other stuff I can target. I, I spent a little bit of time here and there targeting them. I think I will this year a little bit more than I have in the past, but you know, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta live by what I, what I speak. And part of it is, you know, I'm adding extra pressure to those fish when I fish for them. You know, I, is it necessary? You know, sometimes it is, but I, I can just fish for something else. You know, I, I'd like to see that fish bounce back. And like I said, have my kids be able to fish for them too. So. Yeah, it's right. a good thought process. So when you are, since you're on a straight bass, let's get to the cream of the crop. Everyone's probably been listening waiting to get to this part how and when do you target them like actually you know we know march 1st monday was opening day we all know it's cold water's about 40 degrees right now it's not the easiest way to find them but when do you start actually hunting for them um i would say i probably won't try too hard for a few weeks now i have like a feeling that it's going to be a little bit later than last year just with the cold winter we had and the water temperature is a little bit colder now. Um, so I would say probably by the, you know, late, a little bit past mid-March to the end of March through April is probably when I'll start, you know, focusing on them. You're okay. right. You're right. There's, I have buddies down South that said they're just kind of hanging right now. They're not, they're not moving and they would ordinarily, ordinarily see them moving by now, you know, right. see them moving in the right direction. They're just camping. They're, they're, they're laying with their bellies on dirt and just kind of hanging out until it's time. It's, it's colder than it was this time last year. So they're, they're not, they're not ready to roll yet. So when you're targeting early mid March, April, first week, second week, are you bait fishing for them or are you artificial fishing for them? Um, I, I would say a little bit of both. I feel like if you're fishing in the rivers, I, I would probably use bait. Uh, just because they're mostly mostly uh, going off a of scent, mm. but if preference, I would be throwing lures and big plugs for them. And in through April, definitely plug. For them. Is your preference to chase them on foot or on boat? Uh, on a boat? Um, honestly, I don't have a preference. I feel like I fish from foot a lot more. That's where my opportunities are. I'll get out on a boat a few times in the spring, a few times in the fall throughout the summer and back bays, you know, I have some opportunities throughout the summer. I'll get out and chase them at sunrise, sunset, you know, you can catch them all summer long, but um, I, I wouldn't say preference. I, I feel like you can, you can kind of do, do more with the boat and get to a lot of different areas more easily. Some areas you can't get to by foot. So there's definitely advantages of that. But as far as the preference, I feel like whatever comes down the pipe, I'm going to be swinging, you know, I feel like that's, I'm just happy if I'm on the water and casting. Hear you. Yeah, we, uh, we, I am no longer of the belief that boat fish don't count. So you're fine there with me. Since Qua has a boat, I got, I got to like boats, right? Yeah, we got to yeah. like boats. I have a I, kayak, I, so that's kind of in between. 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. say, you got a kayak that's kind of a boat, right? I, I'll tell you what, though. I love bank fishing. I love it, love it, love it. It's like my roots, man. I, I feel like you put me on a bank next to somebody else that's a good fisherman. And I, if I, I sometimes get competitive, but it's fun, man. I, I just feel like I can tackle the water in front of me, you know, a little differently than I can if I'm fishing vertically. You know, it's right. a little, I find that I can cover more water, you know, the right way as opposed to drifting over a spot and never hitting again. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, there's a balance, there's positives to both, but I like the the fact that I can slow it down and stay on a spot and fan cast and hit every inch of that water column. Whereas a, as a boat, a kayak, you're kind of drifting past spots, hoping for, hoping for a bite, you know, unless you're anchored up someplace. So. Okay. As we're, as we're getting into like the kind of warmer weather, stuff like that. What would you suggest for just say a first time, maybe second, third time striper fisherman back bays? Like, what ideal weather days would you be looking for? I mean, we, I mean, we, we kind of know what they do, but you know, from your perspective, what's the best either weather, water, or location to to look for them this early? No say, spot burning. No spot burning. We don't do spot burning here. Yeah, definitely no <laughs> spot burning. But we're just we're giving more of a kind of a, a, a surrounding area of what to look for to give you a better chance at, at finding, you know, that, that one striper just sitting around. I would say if you're just getting into the sport and you're, and you want to fish soon, I would say try and fish a river system that they're going to be spawning in and find the warmest part of the day, the warmest part of the river, which would be a flat. If you can find flats, you know, that's where the water is going to be warmest. And if you pick an afternoon that's sunny in March or, you know, end of March, that's where the fish are going to be coming to find their food because they're, you know, looking for that warmer water at this time, this time of year. So that's, that's what my guidance would be. That's, that's pretty much the perfect answer I would have been saying. Flats, I'm mud free. flats. Yeah, mud flats, you know, later in the day. As the sun warmed up, the mud already absorbed all the heat. And then even, even if you could catch a low, nice outgoing tide too. So that, that warm mud really warming that upper water. It might be only five, six degrees, but that five, six degrees is going to matter. Yeah. That, that does make a huge difference. Especially if you think about like the difference between, you know, 45 degrees and 50 degrees. Like that's, that's, that's a big difference for fish feeding in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It may turn them on. Yeah. What's your PB? Striper, yeah, I believe it's forty six pounds. But as a boat fish, do you have so, a PB on land? I do. That is, I believe it was twenty two pounds. So nice. I don't have anything huge. Twenty two pounds from twenty two pounds. So we're looking at like thirty seven, about forty inch fish. If that's a yeah, fall, it was, fish. A, it was actually a, a forty. It was in the fall. It was a forty inch fish, but yeah. it was super skinny. Yeah. Like a, a lot of 40 inch fish, you would think would be bigger than 22 pounds. Yeah. So. In the fall, in, in the fall, usually a 40 inch fish, you're up in the upper mid twenties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was real skinny and yeah. it was, it was, that was when I was, a, when I was a kid. It's, I haven't beat that since then. Oof. Maybe this Qua, we'll Qua, what's your PB? My PB from shore was a 38 pounder caught off of seaside heights 
no, what? Steve between Seesaw Heights and like Mandalokan, somewhere between. And that was 2016 during that incredible fall run we had. Uh, came on a uh, yellow tsunami talking popper. Everyone was chasing their fish down the beach. I, I remember this day like it was night, night and day. 20 guys chasing the pods down the beach. I slacked off because I don't feel like running. I'm in waders. It's, it's, I'm, I'm hot. I'm sweating. So I'm just like trailing like behind the whole crowd. And I'm just like, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to lobby here. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just like popping nice and slow. And then I, a big wave broke. And then I didn't see the popper go down, but I just felt the weight and I just sat. And then she did rip line. Like she ran no tomorrow. Uh, from boat was actually this year, this year on, uh, my buddy, uh, Chris, Chris, I can't pronounce his last name, butcher and they, on his, on his boat. And it was a good club 46, 47 pounder. Nice. Yeah, call him on, call him on a uh, dock, uh, uh spook top water. Yeah. She was, she was huge. I've only caught one really nice striper. It was Easter. I think three years ago now, two years ago, Easter night, I was out there all by myself on the river. And uh, I'll never forget this because it's a story. I'll, I'll share this real quick. So I'm going out where I'm trying to like get through my family dinner on Easter. Right. And then I'm, I'm like telling my wife, I'm like, I'm, I'm going fishing after this. I got to get out. Get out. I said, I've seen a couple of big fish caught on the river. I, I got to get out there. She goes, doesn't mean you're going to catch one. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I, so I obviously I had to get out at that point. And then I met up with my, my good friend, uh, David Mundy from Northeast Jig Company. And uh, we were fishing the river. Everybody left. I was like, I got to catch a fish. It was like 12, 12.08, 12.09 at night. And uh, I'm out there by myself. I got to work the next morning. I got to be at work at seven o'clock the next morning. Next thing I know, my line's peeling out. I'm like, oh boy, here comes another catfish. Cause I was catching catfish all night and I'm reeling it in, reeling it in. And then the moment I see the silhouette laying on the beach there, I just, I was beside myself because I stripers have been the, the absolute, you know, monkey on my back. I've never been able to, to get, get a really nice one. And the fact that I was able to do so, uh, it just was it. I still get like, still get worked up thinking about that fish. You know, I was out there trying to take pictures by myself. <laughs> I couldn't do it by myself and set my phone up on my chair and everything else. It was nuts, but it, it was, it was the most euphoric feeling I've ever had fishing, just catching that fish all by myself out there. And, you know, being out there, I'm screaming. I, I go to call my wife. I said, I did it. I'm, I said some choice words. I won't share those here, but I did it. You were wrong. She's like, yeah, that's great. That's really nice. Can, can I see a picture of it? I'm like, wait a second. I just caught this big fish that I've been chasing since I was a teenager and that's what you got for me. But yeah, it was, I'll, I'll never forget that night. That's probably my, my, <laughs> my most, uh, incredible fishing memory. I just remember the rush through my whole body and I've caught a lot of nice fish, but stripers have always been difficult for me to catch a nice one. So that fish will go down in history as probably my, my favorite fishing moment. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Very awesome. I feel like I'm getting kind of, you know, pumped up just here. I'm getting worked up. I'm like getting you warm. You told me this story before and I'm still getting pumped I'm up. I'm getting all warm and toasty talking about it, man. It's just making me, I'm, I'm going to go grab the fishing rod and get out. Yeah. yeah I think, grab I some think, blood worms. I mean, I think all our goals, I mean, as surfcasters, you know, beach walkers, jetty walkers, you know, side bank, you know, our goal is to catch that 
that 50. You know, I told myself if I ever, ever catch that 50 off the beach, I may retire and not target it no more. I'm going to get, an, I'm going to take a nice couple pictures. I'm going to get a mount made and then that's it. I'm going to retire from striped bass fishing. Like, literally. If I ever get that 50 off the beach. So yeah, my, mine wasn't a 50. It was 43 inches, 46 pounds. I had a 28 inch girth. Oh yeah. She's a fatty. I was a fatty. She was a fatty. I got one more question for Lee. He's the only one that I know that's pretty much confident in this. And I want to learn the secret because I suck at it. I'm going to admit I really suck at it. This is the only man I know that can master the lightweight bucktail in the back. I want to know your secret, like your setup, your what you're using, and how do you work it? Like literally, I want to know it all because I'm gonna. I told myself I'm gonna. I'm gonna try this this year. I wouldn't say I master it, but it's just something I do have confidence in. I would say like maybe eighty. 85% of my bass in the back come come from the bucktail. Well, that's pretty much mastering, young man. <laughs> well, there's times I'm out there and I'm I'm like, I just did this last night, same tide, same moon, and I'm not catching fish with the bucktail. So it's like, you know, maybe I don't have it mastered. But anyway, um, I feel like if someone asked me what I caught a fish on and I tell them the bucktail, they say, oh, man, I don't have any success with that, especially in the back. The first thing I, I say is, you know, well, how heavy are you using? And they're thinking like fluke jigging, mm-hmm. you know, like one ounce, three quarter. Yep. And to me, that's that's way too heavy. Like you cast in the back bay, you'll be you'll be dragging it on the bottom. You know, and your whole cast will be just dragging on the bottom. And I feel like your, your chance of catching a fish that way are very slim. So basically, you have to read the current. And sometimes the wind plays into it because if you go too light with a little bit of wind, you lose contact with it, you know, just like I'm sure you've all, you know, felt that. So if it's, if it's a little windy, it's, it, that definitely makes it tricky. You kind of have to beef it up and that, that takes away from what you're trying to do here, but you got to go as light as possible depending on how hard the current's pushing. So if you can picture your water column and the sweep is from right to left, you cast it out, you know, and it's going to sweep with the current. So the heavier the bucktail, the quicker it drops to the bottom. The lighter the bucktail, the longer it's going to stay suspended in that water column all the way all, all the way across the sweep. So the lighter you can get away with, the longer it stays in the strike zone. So what I'll do is I'll always cast up current, and I'll just do little twitches. Twitch, but not real subtle twitches i like to, to give it a you know a firm twitch and just work that all the way back in now if you're using like like quarter inch a uh, quarter ounce three eighths ounce and at the most i use a half ounce but very rarely i go up that heavy and you can kind of keep it suspended with a little bit of current all the way in on every single cast like you you're almost never hitting the bottom because you're using so light where i feel like the reason why some people feel like they can't have success with it is if you're, if you picture the same thing, that same current, you know, the same water column, you cast a one inch bucktail, you get within the first two or three feet of the sweep. It's already going to be on the, on the floor, on the, you know, on the, the, 
the bay floor bottom and you're going to drag that in it's never you know you could jig it and it might just pop up but it's off the off the ground but it's going to come you know right back into contact with it all the way in so you're kind of just bouncing on the bottom where you might get fish that way but like if you have fish feeding any part of the column they're going to they're going to be in the strike zone a lot longer if you have a you know as light as possible and i always use a you know a culprit worm trailer usually white or purple and i just got a couple other couple other couple other ones i want to try out this year i'll give you some feedback later on different colors but i can't go wrong with white and white bucktail or white bucktail a purple trailer that's pretty much all i use back there and gear wise what are you throwing like what, what rod like rod you know action line wise like how light are you actually going um so i would i like to go as light as possible with that too just because of the more feel mm -hmm. um an avid insure or the legend tournament insure and they are i believe they're quarter to three quarter is that like a medium Something like that is that like a medium yeah it's like a medium and i you can get away with heavier than that like there's some there's some companies that make a like i would say three eighths or half to the one or one and a quarter and that's that's perfectly fine too you don't like you don't need to go that light i just personally like that just you know it's fun it's fun fishing as light as possible you get like a three thousand or four thousand size reel and you know, fast action give you you know gives you a little flexibility with working the working the bucktail and just that little the little twitch a little twitch you know every every couple of turns just getting a cadence of rhythm and you can change it up with your speeds but I'd recommend going slower but not slow enough to where you're you're allowing the your bucktail to, to reach you know the the bay floor and dragging it in like like it was a heavier bucktail. So we're, when we're saying twitching a slow crawl retrieve, like give give and take, how far are you off the bottom of the sand or mud or whatever we're targeting on take? I know you say work the whole water column, but like so say say we're looking at about ten feet of water. I would say most of the time it's going to be in less water than that. But if it's ten foot of water, you're probably working. You have to crank it. To, to keep it in the first two feet of, of the water column at the top. Mm -hmm. So I would say somewhere between, you know, three and six, three seven and six feet. feet. Okay. Yeah. But I, I mean, even so, like, I, I'm not opposed to like fishing, you know, close to the bottom. Right. If it's a shallower, if it's a shallower, you know, say six or eight feet deep, you're going to be working from, you know, three to seven. You're, you're almost, almost coming in contact with the bottom, but you're still, you're still working that sweep. Like you're not going to be, you're just going to have a lot more success the longer you stay in the strike set. You can kind of translate that with any type of fishing, you know, or trout fishing or whatever. You know, you're doing a drift, the longer you're in the strike zone, the better chance that you're hooking up. You're going to, you know, your chance is going to go way up. There's really only two fish that I like to stay on the bottom for, and that's fluke and walleye. You know, other other fish, you got to you got to work all the all levels of the water column, especially stripers, because they uh, they're anywhere. Yeah, you see them, you see videos of them feeding underwater, and they're 
one minute their bellies will be on the bottom. The next time they'll be feeding on the top. It's just, it's hit or miss with them. So you got to really work everything and see what happens. But I stay on bottom with fluke and walleye. Everything else gets worked over as, as hard as I can. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you feel like that's making sense to me, to, to you guys? Like what, what I'm saying as far as is, is light, you know, the reason why you got to go lighter if you're, if you're going to do that, work them that way. Yep, definitely. You, because you won't have to work as hard keeping your bucktail off the bottom with, say, a quarter ounce than you were, if you were to throw a three-quarter ounce. Because literally, once you throw that three-quarter ounce, it's literally sinking to the bottom right away. And then when you pop it, it doesn't travel far enough up. It may, but then it's gonna, it, the weight of it's going to draw right back to the bottom. So if you're doing a quarter ounce, as you twitch it, it's going to stay up in the water column a little longer. And then as yeah. with the slow retrieve, so you literally... Like you said, you'll be putting in the strike zone anywhere between three and seven feet, three and eight feet. And then, you know, you, then that's your job right there. It's just kind of find where the sweet spot is, is where the strike zone is at. Yeah. I think once you, once you do that and catch some fish, like gain a little confidence in it. And I think that's a, that's a big part of it too. You gain some confidence just like any other way of fit, targeting fish. And, but that's just something that I, I have a lot of confidence in usually the first thing that I pull out to throw. Yeah. Not only that, I find that the the heavier the lure, it just dampens the action. I mean, the heavier the jig, the bucktail, it dampens the action of the lure you're working. I, I fish for fluke if I can in the back with a three eighths ounce jig head. You know, I, I, I try to go as light as I can get away with. Now it takes a while for me to get to the bottom. I got to really work specific areas a certain way. But if I can get away with three eighths, even lighter than that, I, that's what I'm doing. I mean, you want to get as much action out of whatever you're using as a lure as possible. And a heavy bucktail, heavy jig is just going to dampen it because it's going to rush it through the water column. You're not going to get any wiggle action from your tails. It's just going to go straight down. There's a certain amount of fish that will bite that way, but that's not the most effective way to work a water column. You know, it's I, I'll even throw like a Z-Man lure on there just to get it to stay up a little bit longer because, you know, they have some floatability there with that elastic. Yeah. And that'll just keep it in that that zone just a touch longer. I, I've really, really taken a liking to the to Z-Man plastics the last year or two years. They they really have made a difference for a lot of things I like to do. Yeah, and it's just all a matter of like you in that strike zone a little bit longer, you might catch, you know, four fish instead of one or two fish. Just just little differences and the more you put the time into it, the more you figure those out. I'm I'm definitely going to lean on you guys this year for this soft plastic lightweight game. I, I'm going to lean on you guys, and hopefully you guys are going to show me. Because growing up, if I threw anything lighter than a half ounce, I must be fishing for something really, really small. Because <laughs> I'm used to throwing ounce, ounce and a half, two ounces off the jetties, you know, looking for bass that way. I mean, I, it's a, I understand it's probably the same concept with the twitching and stuff with a surf rod. But with that much current in two ounces, I get the feel for it. It's just something with like, I don't know, like sometimes I'll throw like a three eighth ounce and I'll throw it and I feel like I'll retrieve and I'll pop it. For some reason, I'm literally feel like I'm popping it out of the water. Like I'm like, I'm pulling it out of the zone. But the way you guys are explaining is you, you could twitch it hard, but you're not out of the zone. So you know, that's kind of like, like what Lee said, you know, you gotta have confidence in something you throw. And if you're confident enough to throw that bucktail and know in your head imagining what that bucktail is doing underwater then your confidence is going to build from that 
I mean, to, 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 to piggyback on that again, like this, this past year, I, at the very end of the fluke season, I got into tossing quarter inch jig, quarter ounce jigs out on, on, on the beachfront for fluke. Like it, it takes a lot, it takes a lot of practice. Number one, to work the, the current with the wind to be able to get that jig down to the, to the bottom, but the action you get with a lighter jig, it's just, it's worth it. It really is. It's worth spending the time to, to know how to read the, the current and the wind and, and the beachfront in front of you to, to see what you should be throwing. I, I'll walk down to the, the beach lip and sit there and look around for probably 20 minutes before I even start fishing. It's really all about just kind of reading your, reading your surroundings and seeing what's necessary. I keep a little bit of everything in my bag and, you know, I, I wait to see what, what it's doing out there before I start throwing anything on, you know, it's just, it's really, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of minute details that you don't know until you're at that beach lip. So. Makes a ton of sense. Before we move on to our next uh, you know, subject, um, anything you want to touch bases on, Lee, one last time before we move on from stripers in the back? Any tips, tricks, techniques, just to let, you know, just give our audience an idea of, you know, something to help them out to become better fishermen this season early. Um, I would say, obviously, just put time in, time in on the water. Um, but especially summertime, you can catch fish all summer long in the back bays is something that you know, a lot of us know that, but there's a lot of people that don't realize that they say, Oh, they were stripers running now. And I said, you know, they're not migrating through here, but there's still a lot of fish around. So if you focus on those, you know, there's magic hours, golden hours mm-hmm. around sunrise, sunset, you can find fish all, all summer long by target them at those, you know, those times, even overcast days pretty much does the same as a, a sunrise or sunset bite. Yeah. Great advice, man. Great advice. Um, let's move on to our next thing. Um, couple, a couple of quick questions. Um, if you had to target one freshwater fish for the rest of your life, what it would it be? And we're also going to add, this is going to be the second one too. If you had to target one saltwater fish, for the rest of your life, what it would, what would it be? That's a tough question. It is very tough. You know, you're, you're asking me where I could be happy catching like five different fish, five different days of the week. And I could still be happy every single day. Right. Um, with freshwater, it would be a toss up between trout and bass. Um, probably largemouth bass. I feel like that's something that I've done. You know, when I was a kid, we used to try and, catch some some fish and live line them and if you didn't get a pickerel come too quickly you could chance you're getting a nice bass on largemouth bass on, on that so i would probably say largemouth bass and as far as the salt water I mean, you probably know my answer is going to be striper but that's probably what it would be yeah. just something that it, it's like it just does get old to me all right well those are two solid answers i can, i can admit i don't think i ever stepped into that largemouth bass game i I don't know as long as i've been fishing i think i've never went largemouth bass fishing i'm not a largemouth guy either i catch a lot of them as bycatch but i you know they're they're all over the place you can catch them i don't i haven't caught any real nice ones i think my biggest one is like 5.3 pounds i caught crappy fishing believe it or not 
You know, it was, it was on a, a jig about that big in October. I uh, was returning from a beach trip that absolutely stunk. And I stopped by one of my crappy holes and I caught this nice bass just hanging out in, in like a foot of water. <laughs> that's, but, a pretty, that's a pretty nice fish, though, if it's somewhere yeah. up here. Five pound bass is pretty nice fish. That was a Delaware fish. So nice. All right, Lee. So, have you had any memorable recent trips that you'd like to share with us? Sheesh. I would have to say the muskie trip that we were just on. Um, uh, I was hoping was, you could say that. Yeah, that was one of the, the most. It's kind of like you had it planned out for a long time. Um, I had it planned since November. And, like, you, you always had in mind, like, if it played out perfectly, that's how it would play out. Like, you know that there's a chance that you might not catch a fish all day. You also know there's a chance that you might catch six fish, which is what, ha- what was happening. And it's ridiculous. It was, yeah, it was, it was basically how it played out. It was about as good as you could have planned for a day like that. It was it was cold. You know, we, we traveled to Virginia and uh, fished with a good, really good guide, Sam Scott, and um, on the Upper James River. And which is a really good fishery for muskies. So that's why, you know, we kind of planned it that way. And uh, I went with my two brothers, Joel and Seth, and my brother-in-law, Tom. And we barely were even set up. And, you know, I hooked into a muskie. It was, you know, it was everything I could have ever imagined. It was it was pretty amazing. And we went out through throughout the day. And Joel and Seth ended up catching fish. My brother-in-law tom he was the only one that, that didn't land a fish he had a couple of chances to fish where he missed it throwing some huge baits it was it was pretty incredible something that was you know bucket list fish for me that i've you know always wanted to catch i you know honestly i've never really put much time into targeting them but now that i know the fishery a little bit better now you know with a with an excellent guide like he you know he really he's big into conservation he's bigger big into you know, it's his livelihood, so he knows an awful lot about it. He educated us about him. You know, I have a few areas that I would like to, you know, around here that I know that you know hold muskies that I'm going to try and put put some more time into it. Now that I know a little bit more about them, but it's just something that you know they're incredible fish. You know, everyone was between thirty eight and forty seven inches, so they were all pretty decent sized fish. Yeah, man. Now, who did you go with again? That was a. Uh... It was Sam Scott from Blue Ridge Muskie, and he um, he's based in in like Buchanan, Virginia, that area. Okay. And I would highly recommend him. He's he's, he's a really good dude, you know, and he knows his stuff. We, we did we tagged a good good number of fish that day, and he's he's works with the um, you know the VA Department of Wildlife or whatever the you know commission is down there, and collects a lot of data. You know, works back and forth with him. And he's doing it the right way. I, I, I would highly recommend it. Solid guy. So uh, Sam's once again, guy, ladies and gentlemen, it's that Sam, Sam Scott, Blue Ridge Muskie. Uh, I think he has a YouTube channel. I've checked it out. Solid guy, great personality, and he puts people on big fish. So if you guys are interested in muskie, it's a little ride for us up here up north. But like Lee said, it was totally worth it. Went six for eight. So that's Six fish in a day for muskie is an incredible day. You get a good day is one or two fish. Six fish in a day is an incredible day. Unreal. Yeah, it it was it was pretty incredible. I know, like people say, 
the fish of 10,000 casts or whatever, but we kind of kind of got spoiled. I think I probably cast it about, you know, maybe less than a hundred times that day before I hooked in the first one. But it's, you know, it's, it's good. It's going to be a different ball game when I uh, start chasing them, chasing them around here and figuring out some patterns and where they might hold. But that's all part of the fun. You know, the hunt is part of the fun. That's what yeah. I enjoy too. Yeah. Fishing is all about the hunt. The catch is just a bonus. Yep. All right, Lee, do you have, so obviously you said muskies were a bucket list fish for you. What, what's the new bucket list fish now? Shoot. I should show you my list. It's, you know, I got, a, I got a long list and a lot, lot of it's, it. a lot of it's fish beating bigger, bigger fish than what my last one was. So like, but I would say it's probably a toss up between, you know, bull red and tarpon, you know, they're obviously fish that you're not going to catch up here, but, uh, I've hooked into tarpon before it's some big, big tarpon that, you know, didn't have any business throwing at, but I've hooked into them and never landed one. Um, Joel's landed one. I was with him when, you know, he landed one. We, we had a good amount, a few nights that we targeted him, but we, you know, came up short and that's the story of them, but that's probably the top fish that I'd like to go after either bull red or a tarpon. I'm going to double down on that bull red myself. I'm, I'm targeting them then this year as well from the kayak. Actually, I have a couple dates set up with some friends. So some guys that are much better at it than me. I've caught some, I caught some smaller ones up to like 26 inches, but I need one of those big ones. So yeah, yeah um, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I've done bull reds as a kid, you know, because like, a, like from our previous intro uh, episode, like I said, I grew up in Sebastian. I mean, I grew down, grew up in Florida, Sebastian Inlet was my, my home water. So bull reds were like normal to us as kids. But, you know, as an adult, I haven't caught one in quite a few years. And just catching a red now, if I can catch one, a red in New Jersey, it's pretty much, I'll, I'll be set for life. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, like in the back of my mind, like that's, that's on my like bucket list, but that's not something that I'm like, you know, just totally preoccupied by because, you know, most people that I know that catch them are, aren't really targeting them mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, there's a few guys that do it and are successful, but I, I don't want to like spend all my time targeting them and, you know, just be frustrated because it's, it's such a rare occurrence in Jersey. But obviously if I caught that, that would be, that would, that'd be pretty amazing. All right, Lee, is there a, a fish that you've been chasing for a long time that you have not been able to connect with? We've already talked about me with the trigger fish. I suck at fishing for those. Is there a fish that you've been targeting that you have not been able to, to line up yet? For a while, I felt like I, I put a lot of time into weak fish and I would just catch them here and there. Um, and then the last year or so, two years, I, you know, I, Feel like I had them not. I wouldn't say dialed in or to it by you know by any means, but I would say that that was a fish that I put a lot of time into. It just wasn't wasn't quite figuring them out, you know. But I would say that it kind of changed with this last year or so, and I caught some more weak fish. And I would probably have to say come back to like the tarpon, which I don't target them a lot. But that was that's something that like I feel like there's there's something left on the table where I, I got a taste of it, but. You know, I didn't bring any to my feet. So it was like, I still, still got that itch that, you know, that drive that, but it's something that like, you know, obviously I only target it once or twice a year on a, you know, on a vacation trip. So it's, you know, if that, if that answers your question, I would probably say that. Tarpon. 
Tarp, tarpon yeah. on a fly. Tarpon on a fly. <laughs> That's on my bucket list. Yeah, I got to catch one first, not on a fly, and then I'll, then I'll be, you know, tarpon on a fly will be on the bucket list. Gotcha. All right. Um, do you have any any solo adventures got planned coming up this year? Any 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 you know any trips or any you know things you got booked that or you're very excited for coming up in 2021? Um, I wouldn't say that there's anything booked or you know indefinite plans. That we were Joel and Seth and I, the brothers, were hoping to do a Florida trip at some point in the next few months. So hopefully that works out. You know that'll be something that I'm looking forward to doing. If, if we can get it figured out and work it all out, that's what I'm going to be looking forward to doing. Great. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to fishing with all you brothers this year. Definitely hundred percent, man. We got some plans. We got some plans. We'll, 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 we'll get some footage out there for you guys. You know, just stay tuned guys. I'm going to have all the Wakefield boys on the boat this year. Yeah. We're, we're looking forward to it every bit. All right, Lee, last question for you, buddy. So uh, now you guys had uh, a pretty big uh, announcement recently. Would you care to share that with us? Sure. Um, so it's kind of like a, if you want to say a dream come true or whatever, it's not something that like, like in the back of your mind, you like say one day maybe would happen. This is kind of, a, you know, a surprise for us or whatever, but I guess it was a, trying to think of how long maybe a month or a month and a half ago uh st croix reached out to us and asked us to join the pro staff myself and two brothers as well and you know, it was kind of like i had to you know re reread it again like is that that what they're saying you know it's it's pretty pretty awesome opportunity and, and it's you know it's something that you know can't i couldn't be more thrilled about um there's i have several friends that are part of their team already guys that are doing a lot longer than me and you know i feel like i'm barely even half notch on the totem pole where they're you know at the top of their game for a long time you know they're you know some elite anglers to you know even be part of the team that guys like that is pretty pretty incredible to me so it's something that's very exciting and you know i look forward to for next year to see you know what we can do with them that's a pretty incredible achievement. I, I I'm I'm jealous because I love St. Croix anyway. I use them myself. Um, but uh, you know, you got that whole negative stigma out there about the whole pro staff, but something like this is different, I think, because you know, they reached out to you. It's not like you were trying to get lined up on their pro staff and you used their you used their gear um to be to be represent to represent a company like St. Croix is a big deal. And I think that's awesome that you guys were able to pull that off. And, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing all the cool gear that you guys are rolling with when we're fished together now. Yeah, uh, it's thank you. I appreciate that. I, I'm gonna, like I said, we're super excited about it. and I'd be glad to, you know, swap out and let you cast anything or whatever we're using. You know, just as you know, even if it, if it wasn't that situation and what's yours is mine, you know, we're glad to anything in my bag, just like you would do the same for me. I know you, you've done that before anyway, so something we're excited about yeah man you're one of my guys man so i obviously i i share what I, my my stuff is your stuff when it comes down to it so that's that congratulations man that's a that's a huge yeah. huge deal you know that's like that's that's like that's like the big leagues right there when you're talking fishing so that's that's a big deal 
Congratulations yeah, this, to you and Joel yeah. and Seth. That's that's yeah, amazing. Definitely, definitely. Big congratulations to you and your brothers, man. It's, it's a big achievement. You know? Saint Croix is a great name, great brand. You know, everyone like loves their loves their gear, and I mean, you guys earned it. Honestly, you guys earned it. Like, you know, I've only known you guys recently. You know, probably what this just just a year, year or two maybe at most. And I mean, you three brothers are literally like personalities. It's incredible. You know, you guys are very humble and we love that everything about you guys. And you guys are just, you're just, just good people. You know what I mean? It's very hard in the fishing community to find just good, just good people all around. And you guys honestly deserve everything that you guys are coming to. You know what I mean? So, I mean, once again, like, we'd like to let you a big congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's, I, that I, I agree with everything he just said. You guys are great. You guys are great. All right, so uh, we're getting near, let's see, about the hour, hour 10 mark, somewhere around there. Um, we're going to just start wrapping it up. Like, uh, before we let you go and, you know, for you let our guests go, um, is there any, if you wanted to put any plugs, you know, your social media page, businesses, whatever you may be, if someone wanted to reach out to you just to talk, had questions, or if they just want, like, love the personality or who you are and your brothers, who they are, where can they find you? Um, the easiest place would probably be just to reach out to our Instagram page, saltwater art fishing. Um, you know, the messages or DMS are open always. Um, and I can't promise you I have an answer for everything you might come up with, but uh, I'll promise to either tell you that I don't know, or, you know, do my best to help anyone out. You know, I don't think that I'm, you know, the best fisherman in the world, but if there's, if there's you know, some little thing that I can help somebody out with, that's, I'd be super happy to do that. And as far as anything else to plug, I don't really have anything else to plug. Just if you have subscription to Fisherman Magazine or On the Water Magazine, you know you might might see me pop up in there from time to time. Not something I do on a regular basis, but here and there, you know, do a little bit of writing for them. Jim Hutchinson on the Water uh, Fisherman Magazine and Jimmy Fee from on the water your friends of mine reach out to me from time to time and ask if i have any content or anything i want to want to touch on and so from time to time you might see something in, in those magazines cool. well that excellently thank listen we were honored to have you as our first guest um couldn't couldn't have been happier with uh the guy that we put on uh our first uh first episode that's live with a, a real guest so Thank you for coming on board. We appreciate it. I guarantee you that everybody will see this guy again, see his brothers. You know, there'll be regular guests on the podcast because they, they're our people. So we appreciate you sharing uh, your story with us today and look forward to bring you back on and fishing. Yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate you having me. It's an honor to be be a part of this. And I told you guys before, I'm like super excited. I, you know, I can't wait to see who your next guest is. I can't wait to hear, you know, the 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 pilot episode and i you know i'm really really happy to be a part of this can't wait to you know do it again sometime i feel like this however long hour or whatever i'm flying by and i feel like it's like you know just buddies chatting it's it's pretty cool pretty cool thing you guys got going on here thank you we agree all right <laughs> we could we could certainly touch on some other things but we'll we'll save that for, we'll save a, for, for the next episode mm-hmm. we'll definitely yeah. save for our next episode uh but besides that have a great night, Lee. Um, me and Dan's going to stay on for a couple extra minutes. But besides that, looking forward to fishing with you this season. And um, 
that's about it. Tight lines, brother. Tight lines, Lee. Thank you. Have a good night. You too, man. Nice chat. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a great night, brother. Thanks for jumping on. See you. All right. Dan, how do you think that went? That was awesome, man. I loved it. Every every minute. That was awesome. Every minute of it just makes you smile. I'm just like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to pack my bag, put the boat together, throw it all in, and let's let's go. Let's go bass fishing. Let's go striper fishing. Yeah, man. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, besides that, let's wrap this up, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, thank you for joining us for our very second episode. And if you guys do like what you heard today, make sure you guys can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Alexa, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castro, Castbox, and also Podchaser. You can also find us on Facebook, Tide Chasers Podcast. And we're also on IG. That's where you're going to get the latest and greatest news. And next upcoming guesses, our IG handle is Tide underscore Chasers. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, our IG handle is Tide underscore Chasers. We'll be having a YouTube channel pretty soon. We'll keep you guys updated on that. Um, Besides that, any last words, Dan? Yeah. Hey, hey, we are very passionate fishermen. We love this. We love it so much that we want to talk to you about it. So. You know, what it comes down to is, you know, we're trying to grow this, talk to as many people, you know, fill a void that's in the mid-Atlantic region right now for this, this kind of, this kind of consumption of fishing, you know, beyond just actually getting out there. Um, there's, there's a huge market for it and we want to be a part of it. You know, um, you could help us out by liking and sharing our content and by, you know, just constantly tuning in every week. We promise we're going to bring you fresh content every week. Um, possibly going to add on some short little stuff here and there just to, to keep content flowing. But uh, we will be releasing a weekly podcast. It's going to be um, uploaded on Sundays to be able to be consumed on uh, a weekly basis for you. So we, we look forward to, to chatting with you and we look forward to interacting with, you know, everybody out there and, and bringing on new guests every week and talking fishing, baby. That's all it is. That's all we want to do. We want to make sure you, we bring you guys in, make sure you guys are sitting on the round table with us. We're all friends. It's just going to be a fun chat. Um, stay tuned for our next few guesses. We're going to be uh, we're going to be kind of sneak peeking a little teaser in our our very third episode coming up pretty soon. So just keep an eye on our uh, social medias. We'll let you know who our third guest is. And if you're interested, becoming a guest, or if you like, if you're a captain, a local a local fisherman, bait and tackle shop lure maker, any of those. If you are interested in being a guest, just feel free to reach out to us through Instagram DMs, Facebook messages. Just let us know. And um, we'll, we'll talk some things out. We're just looking for really good, you know, just all around good fishermen that just love to talk fish. You know, if you have that obsession, we, we want you on it as one of our guests. Besides that, have a great night, ladies and gentlemen. You have a good night, buddy. Tight lines. I'll see you soon. See you. has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv i'm will cooper and you're listening to hunt stands make your mark podcast on the waypoint podcast network stick around as i bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life